Pickaxe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, welcome to Dungeons and Randomness. Since 2012, myself and an amazing cast of 18 have been telling stories in our homebrew world of Theria. Four different groups explore lost ruins, run for political office, rage against a mad king, set sail to long-forgotten islands, and so much more. Every group has a different story and flavor, and every season, or arc, has a new set of groups and stories, all building the history of our world with every single session. Literally hundreds of hours of stories are waiting for you as part of the Pickaxe Network. Check out Dungeons and Randomness wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you around the table. Hello, and welcome back to the Review of Death, a Doctor Who podcast, your fortnightly home for Doctor Who news and reviews, starring myself, Matthew Toffolo, and starring. starring. I don't know why I said starring. That was nice. Yeah, do you like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's lofty. Featuring. Yeah. <laughs> with with special guest appearance from, from Billy Garrett John. John. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you're all doing well out there. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. We do. In this episode. There's a lot going on. So what we've decided is we're going to front load this with the Attack of the Cybermen review. Yeah. And then for those of you who don't want stuff spoiled. Spoil, spo- yeah, spoil or even, you know, people that are texting about speculation yeah. and stuff. Then we can save it all for the second half. So yeah. We can so until then. There'll be a definite cut off where you can go, ah. I'm peacing out. I don't want to listen to this stuff. But is there uh, any other Doctor Who news we need to cover before we get into Attack of the Cybermen? Uh, well, obviously, <laughs> season 22 has arrived on Blu-ray. Obviously. Um, obviously, at the time of recording this, they've mm. just come out. But mm. by the time you guys are listening to this, it will have been out about a week. About a week, yeah. Uh, so that's really great. A mm. fantastic looking set. Yeah. Lee Binding's artwork is just... Ah, it's stunning. Always stunning. Always amazing. Does he do the ones in the booklet as well? Because yeah, I always yeah, like those he ones. Does, he does yeah, all of it. Fab. Yeah, really great. Uh, so that's a, a very packed and... It's stacked, yeah. There's yeah. lots of stuff in there. I've um, watched most of the bonus features in the first three discs, I think. Right. Have you watched the In Conversation with Colin yet? I have. Is that any good? I've not listened to it yet. It is. It is really good. I have... A, I, it is good. Nicola's is very interesting. Right. Um, I haven't watched much of Michael Grades. I just want to do, like... Do the first 15 minutes where you tell us why you cancelled it and why, <laughs> why you hate us so much. And then I can give or take listening about your life story. Fair enough. But um, yeah, Nicholas is very interesting. There's um, a real conversation about the control that JNT appeared to kind of have over her. Mm. And that, you know, he wanted to discover her and break her out as a star. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, she says that he didn't know until when, I'm not so sure, they're not too clear, that she wasn't actually American. Um, right. Colin didn't know for a year or so that she, that she was... I, how did... There's how? A, there's a lot... There's a, there are a lot of moments when you watch it where you go, what is going... How on earth has that happened? 
It's it's really interesting. Though. So did she did she audition for the part? The part was an American. So she was, was told apparently that only Americans and Canadians are being considered. So all, right. all Americans and some Canadians. Right. So that and that's it. There's no British people putting on accents. That's it. So when you go in there, you have to be American. And so even when she's interviewed at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's got the accent and she says, well, I've, you know, spent a lot of time over there and stuff, <laughs> you know. She's really trying to not lie. Because what a dreadful thing to do. Jesus. You know, lie to loads of people about, you know. Because I watched the, I watched the interview she did <clears throat> at the time for Attack of the Cybermen. Mm. So whenever that went out, what year would that have been? 85? Mm-hmm. And... I thought, oh, I wonder if she's speaking with her American accent. And it seemed like she wasn't. Yeah. So I'm guessing it just, I don't know, I think cleared. <laughs> she tells a couple of stories where she spoke to John in her natural accent. Yeah. And nothing was kind of mentioned. So they all must have known. But she's under the pretense that a lot of people didn't, didn't know. Um, wow. But she still gets a lot of work, you know, asking for Americans yeah. in stuff. Yeah. So... I mean, she's, it's a, it's a she good says, American accent. It is. It's, yeah. a, good, it's a very good American accent. Yeah. There's a few lines where you can hear the English coming through. I, not, I think particularly in like Planet of Fire, yeah. where she's obviously just getting to grips with it. I would be tempt, more tempted to say of her, though, that she's like a Brit that's lived in the States for yeah. years. Then yeah. she sounds fully yanked up. Yeah. Yeah. But hey. Hey up. Good on you, Nicola Bryant. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good box set. I should have. I was going to bring my beanie to add to the set now. Oh, that's your now famous beanie! We should have interviewed it. I know we should have. If you want an autograph, then send a twenty quid <laughs> note in an envelope, and I will <laughs> send you an autograph from the beanie. Um, yeah. Uh, other things. We've got the four K release of the Dalek Peter <clears throat> Cushing movies, which was screened at BFI. Yeah, neither of us went because no. we didn't. But um, you've got the Blu-rays, though. I've got the collector set, which is. Fantastic. Is it? Tell us it, about it. It is so good. It's like reflective metallic material. Mm. It's really nice. It's the same height as the collection sets. They knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, two booklets inside, uh-huh. one which is just loaded with pictures. Another one was written by a man who is a bit of an asshole. Have you seen this going around on Twitter? Yeah, something about Colin not getting a lot of love in it. Yeah, he made a remark about, oh, lot, something like, oh, you know. You love Tom Baker and, and you love David Tennant, like, but you're not mad enough to love Colin Baker dressed as a clown. It's like, why the fuck would, why would a, you get write that? And b, why would Studio Canal allow that? Clearly, no one read it. Clearly, they were just like, yeah, well, it's fine. because everybody knows that the Cushing movies are real Doctor Who. Yeah, and all this other stuff on the telly, we can take the piss out of it. In this yeah, <laughs> it's a bit weird. Isn't it, it is a bit weird. So. That's a bit annoying, but then it's got like some lovely art cards, mm-hmm. lovely posters, the yeah. original one recreated, and then the new sort of cover art yeah. version, which is great the as well. One, yeah. yeah, and then um, what a cartoon! Like a, a mm. if they did the third film Saturday as an cartoon. animated. Well, this is something else that came up at the BFI. Yeah. Apparently, I think was it Milton Sabotsky's kids, kids yeah. turned up with a script for an unmade third movie. Yeah, um, based on the chase. No. Or no. It's, no, this, well, I don't think so. Is this not the one that was got two doctors oh, in it? Oh, yes, sorry, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah two doctors. And Milton Sabotsky wanted either Tom Baker or John Pertwee as, like, the older doctor. So this would have been in the, in the 70s, this yeah. movie was tainted then? No, I think this was the 80s. Oh. 
So it was like 86, I want to say. Bonkers. So John Pertwee or Tom Baker as the older Doctor, and then any old bugger who could act as the youngest Doctor. I, apparently the... I, I wonder if he saw Never Say Never Again. Yeah. It was like, well, they, they, you know, they could be two Doctor Whos at the same yeah. time. You never know. Um, or three, as the case may be. But he, he, he apparently liked Pertwee and Tom mm. as, as the Doctor. I mean, who doesn't? And uh, yeah, that was the plan. And it was going to be... Doctor Who's Greatest Adventure, and I can't remember what the... It was a monster movie, mm. I think. But I don't know wow. how that would have all worked. I but cannot wait for somebody to do an audio adaptation of that story. I wonder who. I wonder who will do an audio adaptation of that. Um, that would be really cool to see, though. Yeah. Like, just to see the script and to see how it was written as is. Mm. You know? Yeah. Like, what language were they using for, the, for these doctors? Like, yeah. is it going to sound like... Doctor Who, yeah, twee and yeah, human, or, or is it going to be slightly more, you know? I mean, I Doctor guess it Who. was thought of that it was canon. To, well, I say canon, mm. like canonish to this TV series mm. because obviously the idea of regenerations in it. I guess it has nothing to do with the Peter Cushing films. It no. was purely this is a spin-off of the Doctor Who show proper. Mad. It's weird, really weird. I mean, he had the pedigree. Maybe he thought he could talk the BBC into it. And, yeah, yeah. Wow, there we go. Yeah. So that was that was cool. And then the only other thing I can think of that's happened mm. is Doctor Who Redacted finished. Yes. I've, which I haven't started or finished I, yet. I listened to the last episode this lunchtime, actually. And what did, what did you think of the whole thing overall? It was fine. It was fine. Okay. I I know people... Some you're, people you're quite hard on it to start with. I thought, to begin with, I thought, well, this is really good. This mm. is a really interesting thing, having this group of people producing this podcast and you sort of explore the world of Doctor Who as if it was real life mm. listening to a podcast. So that was great. Mm. Unfortunately, it then left that sort of format right. and went just down the realms of this is an audio, an audio drama. drama. Right. And which is fine, but for me it felt too reliant on cameos mm -hmm. and Russell T Davies Doctor Who references. Okay. And I don't know, it just sort of lost its way, I felt, a little bit. Mm. I think 10 episodes was maybe too long. Mm. I was surprised it went on for that long. Yeah, and then I wasn't really sure what was going on at one point, and then I sort of got the gist of it, and mm. I don't know, the, the resolution just felt like, a, just a, a, okay, a, a, a fairly Doctor Who-y resolution. Mm. We'll just do this thing, mm -hmm. and it will save the day. Um, but it was fine. I mean, I like the characters were really good. I did like the three leads. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't think it needed to be as long as that. And I think it needed, it needed something else. I think the cameos just got a bit like, okay, who's in, who's in this? I literally would go to the cast list and go, yeah. who is in this week's episode? Right. We've had Rani in this, not the Rani, we've had yeah. Rani from Sarah Jane Adventures in this episode. We've had... Mr. Nightingale from Blink in this yeah. episode. We've had this character from Bloody Partners in Crime. Wow. This person from Smith and Jones. Bonkers. And then, like, in the finale, the bloody Delta Wave augmenter yeah, was, yeah. was referenced. I was like, that's a Russell thing as well, isn't <laughs> it? And it's just like, ugh. Madame Vastra turns up, not yeah. played by Neve McIntosh, what? which was the weirdest thing. Because they're like, you're, you're not Madame Vastra. That's I know her so voice. strange. Yeah, apparently they can get, well, I guess they just couldn't get hold of her. Wow. Why not recast the character then? Uh, well, 
But they did. They recast it with somebody else. Oh, no, do you no, mean, but like, I mean, like, sorry, I mean, have a, have a, have a different, different character. character. Yeah, I don't know. They didn't. They wanted K nine as well at one point. Mm. They replaced it with a, a different character. Interesting. Um, I'm sure John Leeson was very upset. Because, I'm sort of gutted. Know, this is bread he and butter. He couldn't do his rehearsals where he's walking around on the floor. <laughs> you know, you can't. You can't help out on audio in that same way. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a joke in there somewhere about John Leeson being on the floor on all there? fours in a in a studio with three women. But, oh, um, sorry, I thought we were talking about indoor <laughs> acting. Like, you can hear some lapping in the corner of the room. It's, oh, John's just gone to his bowl. Sorry, everybody. Um, yeah, so that was uh, it, it was it was good. Mm. I Jodie Whittaker was good. She yeah. turned up at the end. Yeah, spoilers. Um, Sounds like a flux review. Started really really well. Yeah, and then I th- lost its way. At yeah, the end. I think I just, I would, I, th- I think I would have just really rathered it be a a, a story with a, a little narrative going through it, mm. but every episode was framed as an episode of a podcast, yeah, but set within the Doctor Who world. Yeah, and like, oh, what was it this week? Oh. Ten episodes though. I can see why they wanted to break out of it, but also yeah. that's the thing that made it interesting that's, and different. Yeah, so. tricky. Because then it just felt like another audio drama, mm. you know. Mm. It just needed, f- the, you know, mm. f- from big, big finish presents or whatever it is they say these days. Yeah, we love stories. No, what no, is it's it? not that. We for the love of stories. For the love of for the love of God. <laughs> yeah, for the love of God, not another spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's talk about Attack of the Cybermen. That's a very good interpretation. Thank there. you. <laughs> um, so, Attack of the Cybermen. We watched it together. We did for this, which is the first time we've done it for years. I've never done it with you. That's true. Well done. Um, and it was <laughs> contrary to popular contrary to what everybody else com- believes. In the comments. Um, it's a funny story. I feel like it's one that a lot of people laden with this whole, oh, it's too continuity heavy. Um, everybody who isn't a Doctor Who fan says it's too violent. Mm. There's not a lot of love for it when you say, you know, Attack of the Cybermen. But yeah. when you actually look at individual components of it, everything works quite well in isolation. Yeah, it's one of those stories <clears throat> where, kind of like Revenge of the Cybermen, it's a bit of a, I don't want to say a comfort story because it's a bit too grim to be a comfort story, but it's... Very it's, much so. It's an, it's easy... Well, I would say it's easy viewing. Mm. It's one of those stories you can just put on mm-hmm. and just let it wash over you. Yeah. But I watched the documentary for this mm. and Matthew Robinson, the director, was going, and, and Nicola, and I think Colin as well, they were all going on about how complicated it was. Like, oh, there's so many, so many layers. And I was like, what? Oh, well, it, it might be as complex as Colin's Doctor Who gets. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 give them the script for Ghostlight and see how they feel. Oh, my God, that would, they wouldn't have had a clue. Yeah, it, you know, it's sort of like, well, it all ties up pretty neatly. You know, everything makes sense. Yes. Um, I mean, It's a only... slow burn, I think, is the It, it is a slow burn. The only thing I don't really get plot-wise about it, or that I think isn't signposted too much, and I need signposting in plots, mm. is Haley's Comet seems like a, the only thing it, yeah, that's... in that that sort of... I don't see how any of that connects to this. No. So I think Haley's Comet was due to come mm. into orbit, wasn't it, in mm. real life? So that's why they incorporated it. Wasn't it just considered an omen of disaster? 
it was no enough disaster for Doctor Who. Oh, clearly, cancelled. Clearly, <laughs> clearly. God, if, if it hadn't shown bloody Haley's comet at the start of the season, yeah, we'd have been reviewing Mission to Magnus sat here now. Yeah. Oh fuck me. I know. I know. That I know. was that's an appalling story. It's a shame because Philip Martin would otherwise have a pretty good track record of stories. I know. When I listened, I listened to it on audio, and I was like, "How mm. did the man who wrote Vengeance on Varos write this?" Even Mind Warp. And even mine more. That's a good story. That's a good story. Yeah. But this, oh, Mission to Magnus was just utterly appalling. It was like something from the 60s. You feel like that's a home run, really. Cybermen and Sill. Um, Ice Warriors and yeah, Sill. Yeah, yeah. That, for some reason, just works aesthetically, yeah. doesn't it? But I think that's it. As a Target novelisation cover, it you looks think, great. whoa! Don't open it, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's all about bloody Battle of the Sexes. Yeah. And you're like, this is... Why there's are some, you doing this now in 1980s? in it as well that aren't particularly good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that always some, drags it down. D- another dotty old Time Lord. Right. Who's like a, he was like the Doctor's bully at school. Yes. Um, which oh, is, yeah, at the beginning they have a chat yeah, over there. Yeah. I mean, which is kind of fun, but you sort of feel like after the twin dilemma mm. and then the Rani coming back and... It just feels like, oh, how many more bloody Time Lords exactly. is he going to bump like into? It's not like Ainley's not kind of skulking in the shadows all the yeah. time anyway. You yeah. Know? waiting to whip off a fake goatee to reveal his real, real goatee. Which is also fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, much like his wig. Much like his wig. Put a wig on his wig. Indeed. But we don't talk about that. We, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on quite swiftly. Um, written by Eric Saywood, of course. Yeah. Or is it? Well, yes, it is. <laughs> um, Contrary to Ian Levine's... Yeah, there's an, there's an authorship debate mm. that... Uh, so Paula Moore... Moore is in the credits. Yes, that was somebody else that he got to put their name on it because he wasn't that was allowed an to. An old girlfriend of Eric. I think, I think so. Yeah, so he wasn't allowed to write it because yeah. he was already down to write the finale. Exactly. Um, very good story, Revelation of the Daleks. Well, I love that. I was going to talk about this actually because Earthshock, Resurrection, Attack, Revelation. He wrote Frontios as well. Or no, that was Bidmead. Bidmead. He did Visitation. Visitation. Thank mm. you. Um, they're all, besides visitation, kind of one type of story. Yeah. You know, that each story has a real sense of foreboding that sort of yeah. hangs off of it. And I think Eric Saywood does that very well. Mm. Um, it's very bleak. Yeah. And I think that Doctor Who should be bleak sometimes. Because yeah. I think that's one of the scariest elements it has to it. Mm. In an cosmos that you can travel around yeah not everyone you're going to encounter is going to be lovely no and it's likely it's space adventure series as he said in in interviews for that are on the blu-ray uh it's a space adventure series people just will die yeah 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 and i don't think it happens i don't know does it happen is it too gratuitous at this stage do you think eric Um, is too gratuitous with it or or do you think it's because (sighs) we know that he pens those kinds of stories I mean, he does pen those kinds of stories, but then I guess, like, if you look at season 19, that feels like a fairly balanced yeah. season. Um, I guess he's not, is he script editing part of it, isn't he? He hasn't done all mm, of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. towards the end... Earthshock. You know, Earthshock is the, the big, yeah. like... You know, that's his flag that he's panting in the sand. Like, this is my sort of story. I mean, I love The Visitation. I think The Visitation is a great Doctor Who story. Absolutely. Um, and it is very much a bog-standard, 
Doctor Who story. Historical as but, well, so it's more kind of confined. Yeah, and, and it's great, and I love it, and I think the Pteroleptals are a fantastic baddie. Um, why haven't they been brought back? Pteroleptals? Don't know. They've got a real good, interesting culture, because mm-hmm. everything's about beauty, and yeah, the yeah. androids are beautiful. Yeah. They're glammy androids. And glammy. With all the plastic sequins <laughs> yeah. glued onto them. Cricket gloves. Hot glues. Um, yeah, so it's then, I think, season 20... That well, season twenty feels like a write-off for him creatively, anyway, because he's been saddled with the Black Guardian. Well, let's have a, a an old villain in every episode or whatever. Yeah, you know, and yeah. obviously that doesn't quite happen. But he's got it's like trial. Yeah, he's got a story to focus on or a thread across the yeah. season to focus on. So yeah, I guess twenty one is when he actually gets the really sh- yeah, and that's and that is bleak. Yeah, because Warriors of the Deep is bleak. Mm. So bleak. Yeah. And then Awakening doesn't really make an awful lot of sense. It doesn't register. No. Frontius is again very bleak, mm-hmm. uh, but a good story. Uh, then Resurrection of the Daleks is, of course, incredibly bleak. <laughs> um, Planet of Fire is just it's shit. It's boring to be bleak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's bleak that it got made. Yeah. Um, and then Keiso Androzani is very incredibly bleak. bleak. And then Twin Dilemma, which is... Like they've gone, whoa, Nelly, <laughs> yeah. have a bit of this. If you like your bleak, have a look at this costume. <laughs> and that's when it starts to, you know, square peg, yeah, round hole type thing, isn't it? It is. It's really it? very much that. But which is really odd because you kind of... I, I love watching Six and Perry because yeah. whenever they're on screen, you kind of feel like... Uh, this is holding everything else kind of together. It's when they're kind of se- separated. Yeah. And you have to examine bits of the show that they're trying to work on or develop. And you think, I don't think anybody's got a hold on this show. No. Eric doesn't want to be there really anymore. No. John's not interested in stories. No. There's nobody there to support the characters. Yeah. But then in this, we've got a pretty great ensemble of this one feels cast members. Much tighter. I mean, I think like later in the season, some of the the bickering between the Doctor and Perry, that does start to drag a little bit. And then when you get, you know, the trial season and you have that lovely moment where they're just walking through the woods Mm -hmm. arm in arm and you're like, oh, this is 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 what it should be. be." Um, But this one does feel a bit tighter. I don't Mm. know if it's because he's penned it. I don't know. And I think actually the two Doctors, there's not really much bickering going Mm. on in that one, is there? It's more of an exploration for Perry, this story. Yeah. Um, because it's like, right, I've, now I can actually kind of start to get, get to grips with this new person. Yeah. Um, and the Doctor's got a new thing to face that doesn't involve regenerative trauma and trying yeah. to strangle every, every 20 seconds. So when they actually do have conversations, like when she's talking about his memory having been through the meat grinder yeah. and he's talking about Zodin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It feels very padded. Yeah. But because it's those two and they do have a good chemistry. Yeah. Which is interesting because they, they talk about the fact that they didn't really see eye to eye when they started. Mm, there was kind of funny. like emotionally, they were kind of missing each other. Yeah. Um, and my God, I mean, Colin had just lost his baby. Yeah. You know, like it's amazing watching this season now, especially but- those early ones and thinking weeks before he starts recording this. He's just had the worst thing possible happen to him. And then, he, yeah, that you, you would... What a bloody good actor. Cause I you know. Just, you just don't see it at all. No. Absolutely incredible. Gosh, that poor bloke. You, and could, I, you couldn't let it register on you. No, so and I guess you. for him, kind of like with 
Tom, I guess. You know, Tom found Doctor Who an outlet for his depression, mm. I guess. Um, if you want to put a label on mm. it. Mm. And I guess maybe that was the same for Colin. Unfortunately for Colin, it didn't yeah. have the, the longevity yeah. or that security that, you know, he probably hoped it would mm. be. I think Matthew Sweet kind of references that, actually, in, along those lines. Where oh, really? he says, like, so when the call did come and it said, you know, we don't want you on the show anymore by comparison, you mm. know, didn't really seem that big a deal because you've yeah. gone through this level of trauma yeah. already in your life. Yeah. But that he didn't get to fully express himself in the show or, mm. you know, maybe maybe the show was a kind of therapy or, you know, that's yeah. not for us to speak on. But No, no, no. I totally see what you mean. Yeah. Um, gosh, yeah. I didn't realise it was that mm. close. I didn't really know his, when his, that happened. His conversation with... with um, Matthew's really good. Yeah. But he goes into a lot of that and he gives he gives him a lot of space to talk about the death of his son and it's really, you know, very affecting. Mm. And I think even Matthew Sweet says it, you think, I, I think you need to reevaluate it when you look at that season. Yeah. Because I, I know, you, you know, it's difficult to disassociate the personal context from what you're seeing on screen, especially if you're critiquing it or you're trying to view it through a critical lens. But you can't ignore that. No. And I think that it's good that people are more aware that that was happening at the time. Yeah. I think it might make people a bit kinder mm. about that whole situation. Yeah. I mean, I I think regardless of that, I've always thought Colin's Doctor mm. was excellent. Yeah. You know, I've always loved his performance. You know, he gives it his all. Mm. You know, and he's immediately the Doctor, even though he has all these, like, you know, the weird turns or, like, the, the, the slips of memory. Mm. The performance is there. Yeah. Um, and I think people see a dopey costume and therefore think dopey performance. Mm. I mean, imagine if you put David Tennant in that outfit. Yeah. How would people have reacted to David Tennant? Well, they'd have thought he was an absolute arsehole, wouldn't they? Well, they pr- probably thought he still looked fit, so, you know. But, uh, Even dressed like that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Colin still looks all right in that. He's a good looking <laughs> Um, I, I, I mean, how does the costume work for you in this context? It feels all right when it's outdoors. I think under a studio yeah, environment, it's slightly different. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I, I don't mind the costume. No. I do not take offence to the costume as much as some people do. Yeah. Um, was it the right choice? Absolutely not. It mm. was insanity. But I, th- but I think maybe the concept mm. had legs. Definitely. Of like, you know... Uh, two. Yeah. Um, the two big pinstripe dresser ones. Um, but, yeah, it was just... Like a lot of things in this era, mm. things aren't executed particularly well. It just goes too far. It's just yeah. that costume. I mean, there is a... You know, I could see him wearing some extravagant, ridiculous thing. Mm. But all of that together at once... Yeah. In that cut... Even the way it hangs off of him, it, it looks like a party costume. It doesn't look like a well-fitted, no. tailored no. outfit. Yeah. You know, it, Peter's looks a lot more, yeah. you know, clingy in yeah. terms of the fit. Um, and maybe that's what Colin wanted at the fit of it, but it just it looks like somebody else's clothes on him. Yeah, it's weird. Like, And it's a shame when you see him in the twin dilemma trying on these other outfits mm. and you're like... You look really good in John Pertwee's velvet. You do, let's you know, have a bit of that. You, you would have, yeah, you would have rocked a velvet frock coat he would have um you know it could have been a brighter color perhaps mm. 
but it, you would look good in it. Or just one colour for each item. Yeah. Yellow, I think, yellow waistcoat, orange trousers, yeah, blue well, jacket, green cravat, and yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I mean, look at, the, look at the curator outfit that he's got in Stranded. Yeah. That works so it well, works you fine. know. Yeah. It's, it's a bit out there, but it's not out there enough that you think, what the hell what are you... What on earth have you, you got on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, very quickly, number one single. Oh, right. What year is this? 1986? Is it six? I yeah. don't know. I'm, I could be totally wrong. Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. Fuck me, really? There you go. And number one at the cinemas is Ghostbusters. I think it's not the first time we've had that. Yeah, maybe with Twin had... Dilemma? Well, probably. Guess, Makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, the Sixth Doctor, while well, we're on The Sixth Doctor, he beats the shit out of that copper. He does, that's amazing. He's quite hands-on. Yeah. He's a big bloke. Why he's a big he bloke, he is. But, I mean, that probably talks you know to a wider context about the violence mm. that's displayed through this season yeah and in this story in particular i always feel with cybermen stories and violence they kind of go hand in hand with yeah. each other so and i know obviously Lytton getting his hands crushed at the end particularly that's the kind of visceral mm. violent moment but beyond that especially when it's laser bolts yeah you kind of think how are people watching this and thinking this is too violent? Yeah, I mean, it's sci-fi fantasy violence, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's, you know, compare this, compare like someone getting shot in this to like Kondo getting shot in Brain and Morbius, where his stomach <laughs> yeah. explodes. You know, that is violence and gore. Absolutely. A cryon getting blasted by a Cyberman is nothing. Especially when the effect is all digital as well. Exactly. It's not visceral. It's yeah. not in the kind of And the same scene. with... Um, uh, Style is it Styles? No, Bates and Stratton. Bates you know and Stratton. when they go to uh, go to the time ship and they touch the door and he gets electrocuted. Mm. Again, it's sci-fi death. It's not anything it's like Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, you know. So I don't. What know. does it feel like to get killed by a plasma electric shield? Yeah, like, like anyone knows. It, you know. So exactly. So yeah, I don't. I don't buy that yeah. really. Um, no, I, that yeah. Bates and Stratton, I think they are, for me, I know, I, I saw some people talking about them on Twitter mm. yesterday, not being particularly fond of it or seeing it as real obvious padding. And it kind of, their story does feel like padding. Yeah. Especially considering, besides Lytton and Brian Glover's character joining them later, there's no kind of yeah. weaving of the narratives at all. Um, I think that, I love their story. Yeah. And I, I love it from the second you meet them, through to finding out they're part cyber converted. Yeah. To the whole, let's dress up as Cybermen and try and get into cyber control. Yeah. Because that's very Doctor Who. It, yeah. That's like putting Ian inside the Dalek. Yeah. It's so, you know, and you can imagine trying to get away with it. And, yeah. You know, um, Hell, right... if, if they can do it, if they can do it in bloody the new Cyberman, the latest Cyberman story, which one was that? Where uh, Yaz and Fahim. Oh, yeah, Yaz gets in that whole in that, outfit. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, at least these were like half half Cybermen already. Exactly. Um, They're already six foot tall. But even right through to the end where they get fucking killed. Yeah. I love their story. I know it's depressing. Yeah. But I think you need, you need especially against the Cybermen, because they are so cold and emotionless. Yeah. When people die, it should be like, they just almost yeah. got there. And it's so gutting that it's like just the right reaction you want. Yeah. Because I think everybody watches <coughs> it and goes, bollocks, you were so close. Yeah, I... I Maybe I've, maybe the problem with it is that it's the season opener, and the season opener 
yeah. opens on such a crikey. God, and they had Twin Dilemma before as well. Yeah. What an introduction to Colin, eh? Yeah. Oh, no. He was sort of not helped by that choice of I mean, episode order. Let's think about this. Like, let's look at season 22 as a whole yeah. and think, how else would you order it? Well, I imagine maybe the two doctors is quite a light story mm. to an extent. Mm. Obviously, it's scary with shock eye and yeah. stuff. But, you know, there's a slight levity to it in mm. parts, which maybe it's quite sunny and bright. Perhaps that would have been a better season opener. Um, but, of course, then you've got Pat Troughton in Colin's second story, which seems like a bit of a... And it opens with a different Doctor in the title Yeah, so as well. that, that's a bit weird. Time Lash is just shit. You wouldn't put it anywhere. You, yeah, you know, that shouldn't have been committed to celluloid, let alone <laughs> <laughs> written. Um, I think Revelation needs to be at the end. That needs that to be needs at the to end. That needs to be the finale, because it feels yeah. big, doesn't it? Vengeance on Varos is also very dark, very bleak, which then just leaves us with Mark of the Rani. Which is so light. Yeah. It floats, floats away. away. <laughs> um, yeah. You wouldn't necessarily put that as the opening story. I don't think it's all that bad actually having the two Doctors at the front. Do you not? Because you, because it's almost like more anticipation building up for seeing the Doctor Doctor. Yeah. I think you've got enough separation with it going from black and white to colour. Mm. So maybe two Doctors, then Mark of the Rani. Put Time Lash on second to last mm. so that you can wash the taste out of everybody's God. mouth. Wouldn't it have been ballsy if they'd have used Pat Troughton's title sequence as well for Two of the Doctors? Oh, that would have been great. That, imagine that. Imagine tuning in uh, in whatever year it was. Or you, you just contain it to the space station and the whole of part one is all in black and white and it's, oh. all, it's all Pat and Jamie yeah. and then it intersects with Colin and it's all in colour. That would have been, that'd been cool. cool, wouldn't it? Oh, there's an edit that needs to happen. That would be, yeah, just a black and white edit of that first part. Yeah. All in the space station would be really cool to see. Um, Ooh, yeah. I've got a note here, just a separate thing. JNT asked Colin to play down the role of Commander Maxill. So at this point, I've moved on to watching the special features. Yeah. So during the rehearsals, um, apparently JNT said Colin's performance was a bit arch, as he put it. Right. And he says it's not the Commander Maxill show, yeah. it's called Doctor Who. But I think it's interesting that he pointed that out, considering he then goes on to become the Doctor. Mm. So I wonder if all the stuff about, oh, I was at a garden party and I was just on fire. Yeah. And he thought, you, you're a good Doctor Who. I wonder if that's the seed that's planted, because his character trait is dominating the scene. Yeah. Dominating mm. an environment. Yeah. And he does that in this story a lot. Mm. And so you think, oh, that's... That's what you saw. I'm thinking of like Tom Webster's impression that he did for us. Oh yeah. And it was, it, you know, it is that big eye. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. I think that is his doctor in a nutshell. Ninja. I mean, he seems, you know, as a man, yeah. uh, Colin seems quite a down to earth, yeah. normal bloke. But he does like to entertain. But he does like to entertain. Yeah. So it, it makes, it's perfect marriage really, isn't it? Yeah. You know? an intergalactic showman yeah and he's got that kind of it's a warm showy dazzling kind of thing isn't yeah, it yeah 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 he's great he's good I love Colin I love me Colin. too um, and I'd also like to talk about David Banks very quickly yes obviously of course um, and I think his his performance especially in this story is really interesting to watch compared to the previous stories he's been mm. involved in because he's not so much the focus here yeah. as he I know he's kind of cameoing in the five doctors Earthshock obviously 
That's this right and centre yeah. main baddie. But he plays second fiddle to another Cyberman mm. in terms of hierarchy in this story. And if there's any more obvious divide, or maybe a reason why you shouldn't lean so much on nostalgia just yeah. for the sake of it. Yeah. Because surely when Michael Gareth came in, <laughs> they went, oh, maybe we just get David to do it. Yeah. You know, because also, why do you have a cyber leader and a controller? controller? Like, yeah. surely the leader uh, at that point to most people supersedes the controller. Yeah. It doesn't uh, matter if you're going back to Telos. And that's, that's what Eric Sayward said. He was like, it just makes no sense. Especially, like you said, you've got David Banks, mm. who just was so fantastic in that part. Mm. Why would you think... Fuck me, Michael Kilgariff didn't even say the lines in Tomb of the Cybermen. I know. What's the point? And, and you think he's a good enough performer. And then when he talks, <laughs> it's all very, I'm a robot. And I also <laughs> went to RADA, you know. And it's all, oh no. And every Cyberman, he runs a, sh- a terrible ship there in terms of the quality of the Cybermen. They are. Everyone, a ragtag <laughs> bunch of losers. All these Cybermen with bits hanging off of them. Gaffer and they, tape. Oh, they're really excitable. Oh, they're the one who's trying to do a Mark Hardy impression. Yeah. It's like when you're trying to do an impression of Mark Hardy, you uh, know, like it's not going to pay mean, off. I mean, I think I must have put something in here about how absolutely appalling they are. But it is ridiculous. You've got that one who doesn't know how to walk in the background. He's mm. like, oh shit, I, I, mm. I've forgotten how to walk. Uh. So you've got him. You've got the other one, hello controller, yeah. with the gaffer tape on because his helmet wouldn't go on his head Fit. for some reason. Yeah. Why do you cast people with tiny heads? Yeah, I mean, surely <laughs> one size fits all. Come on. Um, obviously, Michael Keel Gareth is just, you know, <laughs> there's no way of going around it. He's overweight and then his thing's too short. It's bloody flight suit. So they've put bloody silver gaffer tape around his bloody mm-hmm. wrist. I mean, and... and Throughout all of this, JNT is turning around to the bloody guys working on the Cybermen suits and saying, oh, paint Michael Kilgariff's helmet silver because I don't want to see the brain like they did in the Cybermen. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you're worried about his bloody brain case not being silver. (laughs) Look at the state of him. He's like a cosplayer. It it, it, it does look like a cosplayer. It looks like a cosplayer. They all do. They all look like. Well, they all, yeah. They all do. Is this where the rot sets in for the Cybermen? Is this it, the first story really where is. you go, oh shit? Yeah, they you had know? such a high. I mean, like they're great in the Five Doctors mm. as well. I mean, I know they get their ass kicked, but they're, they're still good. But and interestingly enough, on this set as well, when they talk about look, the love wasn't there, the money wasn't there for the show. Yeah. Whenever that is ever mentioned, it's always a clip from Attack of the Cybermen that comes up. <laughs> and it's always the bit where he's blasting them yeah. in cyber control. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's not the worst. It, it's the staging of it that looks crap. Yeah. That the, the actual, that's not a money problem. That's no. just, it's been, you know, not that create, they're running out of time or yeah. the creativity and the direction of that sequence isn't great because it's all bumping into each other. And Yeah, I mean, the set is literally a corner. It's tiny. It's teeny tiny. And, that is the, and that's the whole of cyber control is that bank in the middle. Yeah. And then six Cybermen along the wall, yeah. partly converted. And then, yeah, it's and so... three milling around. It's so ridiculous when they come in and it's Domino. It's like, mm. shoot shoot David Banks. Oh, I'll bump into this one who shoots somebody else. It is... You put the Benny Hill music over I know, it. And it, I would, know. It, would, it, would, it would fit. It is, it is ridiculous. I mean, I think all the stuff with the Cybermen in the sewers is fantastic. 
very good. Moodily shot, you know. What I like about these Earthshock Cybermen, these 80s Cybermen, is that they work just as well as like marchy action <clears throat> Cybermen as much as they work well stealthy in the shadows because mm. they're very slender and is a good silhouette. Um, but then as soon as, yeah, as soon as you get into cyber control and it's all brightly lit yeah. and stuff, and then you can see the faults in the suits, which are starting to show a lot of wear and tear where mm. they've not only been used for episodes of Doctor Who, but they've then they've been on, on location and, you know, other, and stuff. yeah, publicity, all that stuff. So they're starting to look a bit tatty. David Banks' suit looks pristine. He looks all right. Because he probably looks after it. He yeah, pr- he they probably, probably all take them home. Yeah. And he's the one that cares about his job the most. So his, his handles yeah. always come in shining bright and clean. Yeah, yeah. And then I do love that one that is the cyber lieutenant but isn't Mark Hardy. It sounds like Mr. Blobby. Yeah. He lies, Luda. He's not to be trusted. <laughs> and it's always like, you little grass. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to suck up to the cyber leader. Oh, Mum told me if I... If I Really impressive. <laughs> I might become cyber leader too one day. Um, yeah, can you imagine that uh, the, the the sewer scenes where they they see the stealth side man? What, what the hell is it? But it's a cyber swan. Yeah, and they, start, well, they, can't, they can't sneak up on you. No, can you? exactly. And I think that's what, yeah, What's that? you, yeah, you just hear them coming. Yeah, wading, marching, marching through shit down yeah. at the end of the sewer. Bollocks. Um, yeah, I mean that's the bit on the cyber controller that I've just written the cyber yeah. controller. Yeah, I mean I don't. I think, fair play to Michael Kilgara for thinking, all right, these are robotic characters, so I will try and give it a Mm. slight robotic intonation. Um, He's doing something different, but it's not, it's very separate from everybody else. That's the the, trouble. Even the Cybermen that aren't as good as David Banks. They're (sighs) trying to do David Banks, or they're trying to do what has happened recently. That's the trouble. Whereas he's come in and he's... Beep, bop, boop. (laughs) Beep, bop, boop. Yeah, it would have been so much better if they'd have just got David Banks as the cyber controller. Mm. Um, Or have a cyber planner and have it be more of like a kind of... Yeah. A thing rather than... An entity rather than a cyberman. Exactly. But it it feels like a short... It it feels like David Banks drew the short straw because he wasted him. Yeah. Wasted him. So good. Poor bugger. They never know what they've got until they lose it, eh? That's they it. They never know. Yeah. Um, Terry Malloy. Terry Malloy is in this. Yeah. He, he is part of that Playing ensemble. the most unconvincing <laughs> gangster. Undercover copper. He has narc written on his head. I know. <laughs> He's so got fun. narc written on his head. It's so ridiculous. You know Lytton's just like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. He knows. He, he doesn't fit in with that crew at all. I mean, no. Lytton is the kind of obvious outsider of that whole group but he's the leader and he's yeah. got you know Maurice has got such an amazing pre- like Lytton is a great character he's fantastic um, one of the best characters to have come out of the show from the 80s for yeah. sure um, and so great they brought him back they obviously saw a cachet in yeah. Lytton as a character and bringing him back here was great and the policeman as well and yeah. all that but you're right it's nice seeing Terry Malloy without it is nice seeing- prosthetics uh, and you know I think all of his scenes with Colin, all that humour in the sewers, you yeah. know, that works really well. That's great. And it's not, you know, it's nothing against Terry Malloy. Mm. It's just, he just happens to, you know, he's, everyone else, I think I said this when we watched it, you know, you've got um, the bald guy, whatever his name is. Brian Glover. Brian Glover, you know, 
he's got his tough Yorkshire accent, and then you've got oh, that's the other blue. Oh, that's not Mary. Kind of ratty looking. Yeah, one. you know, ooh, you know, they're all like that. And then you've got Terry. Mo- Hello, I'm Terry. Mo- Hello, I'm terribly well spoken. Yeah, you know, and it is. Does anybody it, know where I could buy some drugs? <laughs> 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 anybody know of any crimes happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, Hello, I'm an I'm an out of work criminal, and I would <laughs> like to do, do some crimes. Um, ignore the wire that's sticking out yeah, of my jacket. Yeah. Um, where does his body go, though? I know. He gets twatted by a Cyberman <laughs> in the most wonderful bit of overacting you'll yeah. ever see. He obviously. Okay, so Terry, we, so the contact needs to happen here because we can't really frame it well enough with the Cybermen coming in from that angle. But you need to end there. Mm. So c- can you cover that yeah. 20 feet in a really <laughs> overdramatic pirouette dance? <laughs> you know? It's a shame he's not shot. Because if he was shot, you might think, oh, well, the, the force of the blast might have propelled him. Yeah. But a, a little tap on the neck, which apparently breaks his neck. Like, it's not, it's like, yeah, it's weird. It's like more on the shoulder, but yeah. somehow it still kills him. <laughs> it's great. But um, yeah, it, it's so powerful that it literally obliterates him out of existence. I assume he's taken off to the back rooms of the TARDIS so that Sixie and Perry can drop him off at Tranquil Repose. Yeah. Where he can become the great healer. I know. Whoa. <laughs> I've just blown that way up right there. I'll write a faction paradox. Um, Either that or there's just a corpse of... Uh, he's rotting in the, in the, in the, in the corridors. Somewhere. The ninth doctor opens a cupboard one day and goes, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Four, what's that bong? The bloody <laughs> have gone again. <laughs> Rolls. It's the last yeah. time you have a Corey with Mickey and then come on board, I tell you that. Oh, dear. Um, Who's Mickey? Can't, can't mention him anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that the Cryons have a part to play in this story not being that well fondly remembered. It's all... Because it's very... Stick Hello. that in front of Michael Grade and he'll go, get that cancelled now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the wrong part of Doctor Who to be showing off at that time, isn't it? Yeah. And Sarah Green is part of the ensemble and she doesn't add an awful no. lot to proceedings. Um, we should talk about Ghostwatch. Ghostwatch, yeah, very good. Go and watch Ghostwatch if you haven't seen Ghostwatch. Yeah. It's really good. And you get to see Sarah Green in... Playing Sarah acting Green. kind of relatively well compared yeah. to this. Well, I guess that's it. I guess she's playing herself. So it's, She is. She so knows how to do that. She's just doing her job. She, exactly. Really. She's yeah. just being her presenter self. Whereas, you know, in this... That's the tricky thing. You look through Spotlight and there's very few people who come from Telos. Yeah. You know, can you, can you has, have you at least met a crime? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I think every, the, the other ones are good. Yeah. Like the Leeds one, um, played by someone fairly famous, I can't remember her name. That's either Rost, Threst, Varn, or Flast. One of them. One of them. Yeah. Is this the one that Colin has yeah. said back and forth? They yeah. have a great chemistry. Yeah. They, they, they've got a great thing happening on screen, those two. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. I like them. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to think of some ridiculous rude joke to do with cryons and the bit cold in here is it doctor <laughs> yeah um Ooh, frostbite on your dick that's, that's let's not want. let's not but let's continue talking about ice um the the ice tombs of telos oh they look shit designed they look proper arse fucking flat pack furniture they, they look like toilet cubicles oh, they are so appallingly awful and and they they looked at them and looked at reference photos and said oh yeah the tombs of the cybermen that looks great and then somebody went, let's not do the that. brilliant, iconic design yeah. that is still referenced. I mean, when they came back in Nightmare in Silver, the set yeah. had tombs references all over it. Yeah. You know, why? It's so counterintuitive. They just look 
They just look in little cupboards mm. with like doors on, and it just. Oh. What I imagine it would look like now is um, in New Earth when they've got all yeah. the tanks. Yeah. So I kind of imagine that if you pan the camera around, it would just be yeah. 100 yards of nothing yeah. and it just goes it, down and down and down into the planet's surface. It needed a good model shot, really, <laughs> yeah. to sh well, like, like the two of the Cybermen. I mean, obviously, I know they built a full-scale-ish yeah. one, but it needed a good model shot to say, this is where we are. Mm. We're not, I think that's the problem, that there's, there's a lack of foresight mm. that it just doesn't set up world very well no it just feels like a studio yeah it, it, it's very one level yeah um which is odd because you know th there are stairs and steps and There's stuff a few, yeah just, and, and they're shooting them low yeah but it's not enough it, it doesn't give you scale at you all need, you need like the start of the level below yeah as part of the set that you occasionally see or yeah yeah because otherwise like it just feels like oh okay there's like 12 Cyber tombs, yeah. Well, I mean, there's six Cybermen in cyber control. They're, they're obviously yeah. <laughs> not able to convert that many at any one yeah. time. So, I mean, that is something, although it's not really focused on too much, the conversion process. This is the first time we really get to see cyber see conversion yeah. going on. <clears throat> and it looks really horrible. Mm. And it looks great, you know, just to see these poor buggers lined up mm. with all this stuff going on. I think that the... It works nowadays having it as more of a butcher, scary knives are going to come and chop you up, like in yeah. um, uh, Rise of the Cybermen Age of Steel, because that scares kids more than assimilating yeah, or, yeah. you know, a lengthy conversion process where you're pumped full of chemicals mm. and have your skins flayed off and all that kind of stuff. Enema. But, <laughs> cyber <laughs> enema. Bend over. It's just... I like the the stuff coming out of them. <laughs> We're I, talking about the animals. I like I like I like all the stuff that looks like an old PC. You know those old ribbons that you connect yeah, yeah, to things yeah, and they're, well, they're kind of coming out. Yeah. That looks cool. I don't quite get the evolution of the design from that kind of quite sleek handlebar thing they've got going on to the big to actually looking a lot more cumbersome. Mm. Like it kind of looks like that's a new evolution of Cyberman. Yeah. It's if it would be nice, I guess, obviously, with Bates and Stratton and the people working out on the planet's surface, you do see mm. more of a connection to what they eventually look like yeah. post-conversion. But it would have been nice if there were just a couple more references to the eventual look yeah. in the way that they designed. Yeah, I, and I do like all that stuff that, you know, uh, Lytton says about, you know, oh, the, the, the chemicals are affecting my, my brain and all that sort of stuff. So it gives you a little mm. insight of, like, oh, what they're actually doing. And his voice has started yeah. to change as well. Which is cool. And he's so gaunt and yeah. withdrawn. And you, you kind of think at that point, it's like, okay, so the, the fleshy body part has been switched off. Yeah. So it's just the mechanics and the electrodes and stuff that's keeping him alive. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I think that was... That room must stink. Yeah. <laughs> it must be horrible. <laughs> I wonder if they just go, oh, that one's not worked. It's perished halfway through and they just, like Tracy Island, they flick a switch and they just disappear into the wall. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. come back <laughs> and put another one in. There we go. Connect them up. Um, anything else? Anything else? I mean, I don't know. I, like I said... The score? I know, now, I know some people moan about the score. I love it. I like it. Yeah. It's a memorable score. And it's got all the bits... <laughs> it's got all the bits from Earthshock yeah. that you want. All the tracks all you love. Beautifully, bang, <laughs> <laughs> or beautifully reused. Yeah. Um, you know, you know 
even if you hadn't seen that the episode was called Attack of the Cybermen and you had a really bad mm. quality image coming through yeah. and you just heard the blom, 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 yeah. like just in the sewers, you'd yeah, go, I love that. hang on a minute, that sounds like the Cybermen. And I love yeah. that, that idea that you could have a theme and you don't see the villain on screen, but you're sort of alluding to it. Yeah. And then you maybe hear strings and you're like, oh shit, that's a Dalek sounding motif yeah, yeah. or whatever. I love that sort yeah. of thing in Doctor Who. It's it great. pays off. It does, It's like it? satisfying. You're like, you're ahead of the game. Like, oh, I know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. It's yeah, cool. it's a shame, really, that they called it Attack of the Cybermen. Yeah. I don't know what else they'd have called it. Um... Thoroughly depressing. <laughs> Thoroughly depressing. Um, going back to the cryons, mm. they were all written as men. Did you know this? Were they? Yeah, they were oh. all written as men, and they were supposed to be like little gruff, little ice men. And then they were <clears> like, but then that would mean Nicola is the only woman in the cast. Yeah, so which it was, happens a lot actually in this season. Yeah, and it was Matthew Robinson who mm. went to JNT and said, "Why don't we cast women as the cryons? Because then you've got the femininity versus yeah. the masculinity yeah. of the cyber." And that's a cool contrast. and that really works. It I, does. I think that's a really good idea. Eric Saywood wasn't too happy about it. Mm. He didn't think it made much sense because he said he thought that the cryons were the sort of creature that would break a nail and cry. Um, his words, not mine. Perhaps the design of the I cryons... I think that's the problem. Yeah. If they hadn't... If they, don't, if they didn't have helmets... Yeah. ...with those kaleidoscope things in their yeah. eyes... Which I and see the what they're trying to do. moustaches. Exactly. But it's not... They're doing the kind of half-mask thing. Yeah. But it's not like with a draconian where it's all just one part of the face. Yeah. Like, so what do they take that off then? Like, what, 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 do, and if they look like like human underneath it anyway, yeah, I then mean, might as well just paint them. I guess they blue. were trying to make it seem like their heads were made of ice, mm. but that gives it a very helmet-like feel. It does. It's really weird. I, I did think, what if they were just humanoid looking? Yeah. And the Cybermen kind of. Because it seems like if the Cybermen wanted to wipe them out, they probably could. Yeah. So it's almost like they, you know, we tolerate them, but if we see them, we'll, you know, we kill them. But, yeah. You know, we know they're down there, but we won't wipe them all out. But if you had them more humanoid. Yeah. But it's just that the conversion process doesn't work with them. That would be more of an interesting dynamic. Mm. Because then you don't have to worry about dressing them up as yeah. aliens. Yeah. And making it look really cheap. Like, even if everybody's face just has like a slightly bluer yeah, complexion, yeah, so it's yeah. like their, their everyone's body temperature. If you're a cryon, it's just lower. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, you know. But you know, and if, if you get put in a cyber conversion chamber, you just turn into a puddle or some <laughs> shit. You know, try and get the electrodes in. Yeah, and I mean, I, lo I love all that stuff about them. You know. Uh, sabotaging the tombs mm. so that all the Cybermen are decaying and mm. that's why it stinks. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, and they, unfortunately... Yeah, and there's like... Little like a, nuggets yeah. of things. You're like, that would be really good. Yeah. More of that. Mm. Um, it's a shame. Uh, and then when you see like Cryon Control and yeah. there's like three of them in the foreground and it's a big set. Yeah. It's a surprisingly big set considering you see it maybe four or five times. Meanwhile, the Cyber Controller is stuck in the corner I know. TV One or whatever. Bumping into things and it's just like... But that that seems odd that they'd you know yeah. give that set to the cryons. Yeah. And it's the tomb just... set is like we'll give it the tomb I set know. feels tiny, but we'll give them this big space. Yeah, they they seem like they're miles away. Yeah. Those cryons yeah. in the background. It might be really. It might be a weird perspective, perspective thing. or something. Um, but then yeah, when you kind of when all they're doing in the background is just kind of yeah, and know, just pressing buttons. And, and, yeah, there's not an awful lot of 
a affirmative action. Which we should have had our nails done for this one. That would have been, been, been Which at least if they had this... <laughs> at least when they pick up cyber guns and they get a bit involved, yeah. that's all right. Because you're like, oh, they can hold their own. Mm. But then it's quite strange seeing this ethereal thing wandering around with this massive gun. Yeah. It's, but that's, you know, that's Doctor Who. It's, it's odd and it's, you know, those two things don't match and that's what makes it cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's all right. It's a, good, it's a fun story. I don't think it, it, it deserves the hate it gets. No. I think it's absolutely fine. Yeah. I don't think the Cybermen come across well in it, particularly. No. Um, they have their moments. And this story, every, every element that you know is at play has a really standout moment yeah but it just doesn't it doesn't last for the whole no the whole thing and as soon as you get to telos i think it kind of loses its way it really does it really does i just don't think it's the planet is not set up as well as it is in tomb of the cybermen no which is the problem well we're just told we're going to telos it's the home planet of the cybermen yeah and for people who haven't been to Telos since Tomb of the Cybermen, which yeah. I imagine is a lot of your audience, yeah. it might be nicer to set it up a little bit. I like the wastes of Telos. Yeah, that's cool. You and know, the, the desaturated fa- colour. Which that, looks great. Yeah. Because when you see the photos of the quarry, you yeah, think, it's so orange. It's isn't so it? sandy. It's, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's so bright. But yeah. the desaturation really works because yeah. they're supposed to be walking corpses, Bates and Stratton and everybody yeah. else. So you know, it really works. Um, but it's just, yeah, it just kind of. It runs out of steam. It mm. runs out of ideas. You know, by the time they get to Telos, it's just yeah. right. Well, we need to kind of resolve this now. And what? What's the plot? <laughs> what are they doing? Uh, what's their what? plan? They want, they've got a time ship. They've got a time ship, and they want to go back in time to stop Mondas from being destroyed. Yeah. How? Oh, is that what Haley's comments for? Are they going to plan? Are I they going to redirect it into Earth or something? I don't know. I don't know. They had the thing about statues in the eighties. Yeah. Nemesis is going past. Quick, let's invade. Quick. Yeah, they really did. I Mm. love this idea that this is all going on, and meanwhile, at the South Pole, the 10th planet ones are turning up. Yeah, exactly. That would have been so cool. Imagine those two meeting. Call yourself a continuity advisor, Ian Levine. If you knew, you would have, you know, come on. Yeah. How could you pass that one up? That would have been really cool if they'd have got some 10th planet ones in. Yeah. Because you'd save money. Yeah. And they'd look purposefully crap. They could have done twice upon a time-ish. Mm. Like 40 years early. Oh, uh, well, the show wouldn't have lasted as long <laughs> if they'd done twice upon a time in the 80s. But, oh, God, I mean, it would have been good, wouldn't it? Imagine, like, mm. the sing-songy Cyberman meeting David Banks. Ah, is, excellent. Is Herndall, has he passed away by this point? Oh, I don't know. Maybe get him oh, God, back. God, done it. That could have been the two doctors. Yeah. Tackle the Cybermen. I like it. I like the two doctors though. It, that would have been quite good. It could have been like a trouble with Tribbles Star Trek thing mm. where they can't, you know, they can't meet each other. Yeah. You know. One on Telos, one on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been. And cool. never the two shall meet. Uh, yeah. And they've, you know, maybe the sixth doctor goes to the South Pole and is like, oh, you know, I will disguise myself. I'll put the hood over. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Or he's on Telos and he's like, right. That's everybody dead. And the first Doctor appears on the screen and says, fucking hell, I really have turned into a clown, haven't I? Yeah. Jesus, where's the <laughs> fucking dandy when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> well, well. There we go. I think that's Jack of the Cybermen. It's fun. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I is really... It, I, go on. Go is on. it better or worse than Silver Nemesis? My nephew was asking me this the other day. And I said I prefer this to Silver Nemesis. I think it's probably a better story than Silver Nemesis. Yeah. But if I had to choose one to sit down and watch, I'd Sil- choose Silver I Nemesis. I said Silver Nemesis is more fun. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just think attack, yeah, it's a bit too heavy. 
And I don't really like the 45 minute format. No. I don't, I, especially at this period in time. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. I much prefer to watch three 25 minutes. Yeah. That, that to me is like, oh, yes, that's yeah. so much more palatable. S- Cyber Scouts are cool, aren't they? Black Cybermen. Yeah, that's the... Like, they, so they're in the TARDIS, they're mm. in the, the sewer, and they're also in cyber control on Earth. Yeah. But they don't appear again once they... Or maybe there's one at the end of the... By the gates. When oh, they maybe. Come out. Maybe there's one skulking around there on Telos. Yeah. But it's funny they've never come back. Like, yeah, they're really cool. to have them come back. Yeah. Because it's just another thing that the Cybermen can do. Yeah. You know, you can't really have stealthy Daleks, you know. But... I like that board meeting. So, what shall we do with our <laughs> new design? Uh, well, we could paint ourselves black. <laughs> I think we'd look quite good in black. Yes. Yes. The purple design last week didn't quite work out. <laughs> Mr. Blobby Cyberman was like, oh, oh, no. I thought it was a good idea, there, but... <laughs> you sound like Mulligan and O'Hare. <laughs> In our homes, in our special drawer, we keep all the items we adore. Yes, in a sterilised cabinet, they are kept and the surrounding environments are regularly swept. <laughs> if that doesn't send people off to the break with a smile on their face, yeah. I don't know what will. Uh, what are we talking about now? Speculation. Spoilers and speculation. 60th anniversary. Biddy has come cosplaying David Tennant on the front cover of this month's uh, clearly, PWM. That's very well timed, isn't it? It was. It was really good. Um, yeah. So, for those of you who don't want to hear this stuff, go yeah, away go now. Away now. Go um, away now, because we're now going to talk about spoilery things. Yeah. Um, so it's all. Nothing will be untouched in this segment. Yes. So. So we very luckily went down to the filming because Doctor Who was filming in Bristol. Yeah. Literally right around the corner. Right around the corner from where, from where we are recorded. now. And we were there on the Thursday, what day is it? Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday. Um, which was all filming happening, um, basically involving David Tennant and... Um, Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate and Neil, Neil Patrick, Patrick Harris. Harris. In the present day. Yes. <clears throat> it was all modern day stuff. So what we saw was bunch of members of the public running around yeah. fighting each other, scrabbling over toys, fighting over toys. I think that was the suggestion that there was something to do with toys and <coughs> yeah, they were beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, and, I, I, and people were kind of like ramming each other in cars and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Cars on fire, lots of smoke, lots of chaos. And in the middle of it is Neil Patrick Harris and he's sort of doing a little Dancing bit of a around. twirl. Yeah. And there's- a Bit jokery. A bit jokery. And there's confetti that's gone off and is falling all around and the Doctor kind of runs up to him in this chaos. Yeah. And they exchange a couple of lines of dialogue. There's one take where they dance they with each other. little dance, yeah. And then they, yeah. They part. goes off, yeah. Um, and then... I hope um, they keep that in, that's good. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he wanders off, I guess. It seems like a very short mm. scene. Yeah. But a lot going on. A lot going on. Um, um, go on. Interestingly, someone caught the clapperboard. And it's mm. in episode three. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that gives us... if the, the, at, least, the, at least three episodes. The big rumour was that this was going to be three episodes. Yeah. So this could be the finale yeah. that we, we're seeing. Yeah. Interestingly, Neil Patrick Harris was dressed in tails and a top hat and yeah. had dark hair as opposed to the publicity image that was released uh, yes. where he was looking much older. Yes. Um, meanwhile, around the corner from there, the following day, which we didn't go to... No, but we saw it. 
but we know. saw it. Yeah, they had the toy shop, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris's toy shop, Mister Emporium. Yeah. Uh, did you see? Well, there was a sign up that said. Mm. I didn't see it there, but I saw pictures afterwards. There's a sign that said Toy Maker of the Year. Yes. But did you also see the clown I face? I did see the clown yes, face, which yes. which is clearly the clown from the Celestial Toy Maker. Very clearly. Um, so the Celestial Toy Maker's back. Yeah, we think so. Uh, the big bad for the whole... Well, interestingly, because it, it, you should bring this up, because in this month's DWM, mm. Russell says in the article... Uh, let me find it for you here... Um, Russell says in the article, uh, so like, you know, what is this, what is all this about mm. with David Tennant coming back and Donna coming back? Is this a unseen adventure a la, you mm -hmm. know, Big Finish or, you know, Missing Adventures? Um, he said, oh, maybe it's a multiverse thing. They're all the rage these days. Maybe this is a Doctor and Donna from Universe 557, all set to collide with our own. Then again, maybe, just maybe, this return is so impossible that it's actually an intricate illusion created by an old enemy of the Doctor's, or maybe an old enemy of Donna's. So he does say in this article that some of the things that he puts out here mm. are true, mm. but it's down to you to work to out work what out they what are. To work out what it is, yeah. So perhaps it is that. And I think I said to you, wonder <laughs> if the, the reason why the Doctor looks like an old Doctor, but not quite mm. the Tenth Doctor as we is know it. Is that there's some kind of it's illusion the, that's being played. It's the toy maker at play. I was thinking that when, when I came in earlier, because I was thinking about his costume and the really, n the much nicer photos that we have of it now, mm. courtesy of that, because it was, you know, blazing hot sunshine. And yeah. It was, just see the costume just right. It does kind of feel like if somebody was to do a a kids version of Doctor Who yeah. and you were to dress the Doctor up, it's like the comic book colours of like Bart Simpson yeah. in the comics. It's like a slight, it's not yeah. quite right. Yeah. And it feels like there's a distinct reason for that. And if yeah. it's, he's, I don't know, stolen Jodie's face, you know, or made them invisible or, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously... William Hartnell, the original intention to write him out was going to be in the Celestial Toy Maker. Yes. That he would just reappear after being invisible with a completely different face. Mm. Uh, which would have maybe made the slow show slightly more difficult to keep bringing back constantly yeah. every three years with a new actor. Um, but it kind of ties in with all this yeah. stuff. Of, it's not quite the 14th, but it's a doctor. Yeah. You know? Um, and his costume feels very doctorish mm. it's like i think it, it feels probably more doctorish than his original outfit. i would agree because it's like a costume it's yeah. more like a costume than a guy in a suit and it feels like mm -hmm. oh you know what if someone who was possibly a fan of the doctor mm. and maybe that's what they're doing with the toy maker you know maybe he's like oh maybe you know i always wanted to be like you yeah sort of thing. you know and i i always oh i always like that one i've, I've been watching mm. your exploits and i liked mm. this one yeah, um, but yeah. I but I thought you were a bit drab in those pinstripes. I so I thought I'd tart it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 that's cool. It could be anything. And tartan like that. just suits you for some reason. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Um, there were a couple of interesting things to kind of point out from that first bit of filming, which I wrote about in a Patreon post that I put up, um, which was the end of days mm. person with the board yeah. on them that. The board said the end of times. Yeah. Which seems so pointed and specific. Yeah. And immediately in my head there and then I was like, that's the name of the episode. Mm. So I'll put a fiver down on episode three being called the end of times. 
He also had a sign at his feet that said the end is nigh. But obviously that one yeah. is, obviously the one that he has got front and centre is center, very... Um, it's, it's, a, it's quite on the nose, obvious, is it? isn't it? I mean, it might be a nice little... Easter egg. Easter egg or whatever. Yeah. But then, yeah, it, I, I, it seems quite pointed um, to be yeah, right in the middle in of the that middle, scene. In the middle, yeah. Because where they were positioned was, if he was shooting at them, mm. David and Neil Patrick Harris would have basically been either side. Yeah. You know, so... So... The second day they filmed with the toy shop, mm. set in the past, 1925. Yes, is that the cars. exact date we've got now? Uh, that is what someone in the crew told us, and then someone else worked out from something that was on ah. set that it was 1925. I said 24. Oh, did you? And okay. then the, so I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. So that was all set in the past, and we've seen Neil Patrick Harris in his toy maker garb, mm -hmm. looking older. I wonder if, because obviously the celestial toy maker is just an entity, mm. kind of like the great intelligence, isn't mm. it really? It's just a power. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it just takes over the form of this elderly-ish yeah. toy maker mm. and then it makes him younger and more vibrant and, and so gives him vitality, like, yeah, you yeah. know, perhaps. Because <clears throat> he's very oddly made up. Yeah. It, or, or I kind of thought it was a bit of a... He's covering up what wrinkles yeah. he has left, yeah. which are just natural. I mean, because he, he wants to be, you know, immortal or live forever or have that kind of thing. But yeah, he, he, the makeup's quite a specific job. It looks like. So I thought it was kind of like um, because he's in the tails and he's in evening <clears throat> wear. Yeah, he feels like I can't remember the name of the bloody guy in um, Cabaret, who's the MC. Right. You know, and he's the master of ceremonies and he's in a very similar outfit and he's got that makeup. It's sort of stage oh, okay. makeup oh, okay, where it's fine. a bit, you know, slightly effeminate, but, mm. you know, it's so, you know, everything registers to the yeah. audience. Um, so I don't know. It's mm. just, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Will, will we have a musical number? Well. I mean, he's got Neil Patrick Harris in. He's dressed as an a MC, showman. as yeah. a showman. If he doesn't do a little song and a yeah. little dance, I'd be shocked. I like and the, I'm all for it. I like the aesthetic they're going for with his tails and his... The, the whole aesthetic of it yeah. is like Russell's taken stuff that he's seen that he's missed because he's not been able to do a Doctor Who pastiche yeah. of it. And this kind of feels like, let's do The Greatest Showman, yeah. but make it Doctor Who. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. he's like a, a, a toy maker that gets possessed and he's very yeah, showy yeah. and theatrical and it's yeah, the yeah. perfect time to do it. Yeah. Perfect period in history to do it perfect actor to, yeah. get to play that kind of a part. And I like, if we, let's uh, for the sake of argument, let's say that this is the finale mm -hmm. and that everything is a big plan of the Celestial Toy Makers, mm. fine. And then if we say episode one is Beep the Meep, because Beep the well, Meep... We'll talk about that as well, Which we'll yeah. talk about in a minute. And, and episode Wrath, two... Wrath Warriors? Wrath Warriors, I've only yeah. ever seen it written down, obviously. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> and then episode two is something else. Maybe, perhaps, well, Russell's like, well, you know, we can't bring all the Doctors back, mm. but we can bring back other things from Doctor Who's past yeah. that, to, to celebrate 60 years. So, you know, there's obviously a lot going on in this one. We've got Unit mm -hmm. back. In, got, in every episode, by the looks of it. It does seem like it, doesn't it? And then we've got, so we've got Unit back. We've obviously got Donna and her family back and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Russell T Davies golden era stuff yeah. coming back. But then maybe you, they're like, well, we'll just bring back the toy maker and we'll mm. bring back something that is old but is new for television, yeah. like Beat the Meat. Yeah. And then whatever episode two is 
going to be. It feels like a raiding of Doctor Who's history yeah. at that point. When you start getting Beep the Meep and the Wrath Borrows on yeah. screen, it seems like a kind of... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, and, I'm, and, and you know, mm. a, maybe a conscious effort to, like, let's not do the Daleks. Yeah. Let's not do the Cybermen. Because, fuck me, they've been done so many times. Also, yeah. They're in the centenary. Yeah. We don't need them And And it. they didn't feel like there was a weight of having to have those characters in the show when Russell was doing it. Yeah. It only really feels like an obligation. I mean, I know the whole Terry Nation thing or Daleks a year or whatever that yeah. whole thing is. But even with characters that don't have some sort of imagined or real stipulation, it does feel like an obligation when you see the old monsters. Yeah. Like, let's cut them out again. Because yeah. it's Doctor Who, there's got to be a Cyberman story at some point. If you don't have something for them mm. and it's going to make them look weaker, then why not just if you, and, and and maybe you do decide to go crazy? Maybe you're like, well, let's not come up with something original just for this one. Yeah, let's do an old Doctor Who monster, but let's really find something interesting that's never yeah. been done before and that couldn't have been done at the time or whatever. Yeah, and maybe that's what the excuse is. Mm. Um, do we think that's going to be the case across all of the specials, or do you think we'll have like? Because I, I wondered if it's print media in the first one. Yeah. <laughs> audio in the second and something else in the third or yeah. it could follow a structure like that I mean maybe I mean I don't know what you would what would you bring from the audios into the scorchies they would work the, great the with the toy maker the scorchies they would they would work great actually um, um, I'm trying to think of like good Charlie Charlie Pollard and obviously um Lucy Miller. Lucy Miller. I mean, Lucy Miller would be amazing because obviously Sheridan Smith it's is a good a, bit of guest is, casting. Is anyway. a star name. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, she could sing as well. So if it is a musical, true, she can do. <laughs> she can do. I think we probably need a couple of lifts or computers played by Nick Briggs in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's. Just, I mean, it, I guess the Virons and the Rocket Men are like the ones that everybody says realistically. Yeah. They're the ones that would probably translate best to screen. Yeah. The Virons are um, cool, but I don't know. If for an anniversary, but then again, I say this. I beat the beat meat the back. back. So <laughs> let's talk so, about that. Yeah. I love the fact he mentions it in here. Like, well, you know, there's public filming. It's likely this stuff's going to get papped, yeah. and it's got something to do with DWM. Yeah. So you know, he basically, his said, there is no mistaking it. Yeah. Beat the meat is going to be in Doctor Who for actual realsies. Yeah. Which is just insane. Yeah. So if Frobisher doesn't turn up, ah. Oh. Frobisher needs to be in the And seconds. you think how good their animal CG is so in Dark um, Materials. Dark materials. Like, have a and, you know, proper he doesn't CG even, penguin. He doesn't even need to be, like, necessarily realistically well, no. realistic, because he's obviously a I was, alien, I was, I was uh, They were talking about that on the Strip for Action Sixth Doctor yeah. set. They said they found it really difficult to give him any kind of an emotion when you draw him as, like, an a penguin. emperor penguin. Yeah. So he has to have eyebrows, yeah. and he has to be cartoony. He's got cartoony eyes. But... Yeah, just take the one that's on the cover of the Holy Terror and sort of make that a bit more high res. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> just put just a couple. Do it. Just yeah, do it. Go yeah, on. yeah, that's easy. Yeah, we're, easy. We're, I'm um, sure. I'm sure Clay's still got all the assets lying yeah. around somewhere. Um, I mean, it's it's bewildering. Like it's the most Doctor Who-y thing mm. that you can imagine happening. Yeah. Like, of of course they'll bring Beep the Meat back. That's so good. I mean, I would love, but the thing that I would really love is for. If it, if the beep the meep thing also turns out to be all part of this big mm. ploy of the toy makers, I'd love for he's the big bad. Oh, beep the meep. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I'd love for the toy maker to be like, oh, you know, I just 
plucked bits mm. of things from here and there mm. and you know gets you a Doctor Who weekly yeah, you know yeah. here it is this is oh I found found this in another in another universe yeah what if the, the, this it, is this is the Doctor bleeding into like our reality yeah and like actually do you know what if you were here in real life this shit would go on it's all crazy people are trying to kill each other in the streets yeah you know maybe you deserve to live in your world of fantasy or land mm. of fiction yeah um, I, yeah I mean there's, there's there's room for all that fun stuff you know it's so it's so odd to be so far away but know so much about it, it. yeah and have obviously got, by comparison you've still got Jodie to come and we know, we know nothing well no much. but I think and, and you'll know this obviously but a lot of people compl are complaining about the fact we know more about Russell than Jodie's stuff yeah when that is purely down to as Russell <laughs> says in his production notes for this issue of DWM we're going to be on the street filming. Yeah. It's going to get leaked. We need to get the informa information. We need to get the information out <laughs> yeah. before it gets leaked. Yeah. Um, obviously, all the Jodie stuff is in the can. That still doesn't explain why we haven't got a fucking title. I know. Which is I know. A I, was, bit mad. I was saying this to Annie the other day, and it's like, maybe, it is insane. maybe it's just going to be called the Centenary Special. <laughs> why wouldn't you say what the title is? It seems weird. It does seem weird. And, and I mean... I love the fact, God bless Russell, mm. that at the end of his little bit, he, he even says, but anyway, park that for now because there's a bigger story to come. The countdown to the Magnificent Jodie's final episode. An old mate, Chris Tribnall, makes me look like a fool when it comes to publicity. How much do you know about the finale? Nothing. Oh, you've got a glimpse or two in the preview at Easter, but believe me, you know so little. Get ready to be rocked. I'm not convinced we'll even reach uh, Shooty, David and Catherine with the devastation that's about to be unleashed in the Doctor's greatest confrontation yet. He is doing Chibnall's job for him. And my old mate Chris Chibnall makes me look like a fool when it comes to publicity. What are you talking about? Like, I get... If I, he you... said makes me look like a fool when it comes to security, Ugh. fine. Because he's clearly very good at keeping stuff under wraps. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't use the word publicity. I think that's yeah. a very pointed I use think that, of the word publicity. I think that is a bit of a, a backhanded it's gotta compliment, be a isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, because I certainly wouldn't have used those no. words. So good on you, Russell. Yeah, and that's um, what I mean. I think it's lovely that he yeah. went out of his way to really hype up the finale. Yeah. Meanwhile, Chris Chibnall's like, is, I've done it, I'm off. It kind of feels like that. I mean, it's difficult because obviously it's all done and the production office is closed. Yeah. And there's nobody working on that show that was worked. Well, I mean, unless they've obviously moved over to Bad Wolf. But like that operation isn't happening anymore. Yeah. So it's difficult. Um, but I know what you mean. And I, 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 I think, yeah, there's very pointed reference to publicity in there from Russell. Very nicely done. Um, yeah. Uh, what else has come out that we can still discuss? I don't know if there's anything well, more. I mean, by the time this comes out, I mean, God, uh, who knows what everybody's going to be. Paul McGann's going to be in it and all sorts. Yeah. So. We can only hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think we've talked about this, but we know that Rose is Donna's daughter. Yes. Um, and obviously we know uh, Bernard Cribbins is back as Wilf. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously Wilf knows all the stuff about the Doctor. If it is Wilf Wilf. If it's Wilf Wilf, yeah. So, 
maybe Wilf told Donna's daughter about mm. the stories of the Doctor and Rose and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's why she adopted the name Rose. Maybe, maybe. Um, like pass it down as like a kid's yeah, story. Yeah, like a little kid's story. There's, um, a, there's a line of dialogue that got recorded. I think it's on BBC Bristol's Twitter. Oh, is this the Mel stuff? Well, yeah. Like, I don't think it, she says Mel. No. But it sounds to me like she's remarking on taking a trip in the TARDIS for the first time. Right. It kind of, like, and David says, oh, she's great, isn't she? I wonder if he was talking about the TARDIS. Okay. But just because the way they're speaking... See... Doesn't... It sounds like they're... It doesn't sound... I, I, this is me reading into it massively. Yeah. From, like, you know, three or four lines of dialogue. So, but the way it's performed to me sounds like they don't know each other as well. I mean, I you know, I read it as it's going to be something ridiculous. Like me and Annie were having this exact discussion, mm. the you know when it came out and we listened to it, and we were like, well, it seems unlikely that it's going to be about Melanie Bush. Mm. If if he says Mel, yeah, it's unlikely it's going to be about Melanie Bush. So like, it's going to be that very Russell T Davies thing of like, oh yeah, you know, I I hang out with the Spice Girls. Mel was great, sure, you know, and that is going to be something like that, yeah. or. Oh yeah, I was on Bake Off and Mel and Sue. Yeah. Mel's brilliant. You yeah. know, it's that kind of Doctor Who y two thousand and five y vibe. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be something daft like that. Yeah. Which then made us go, why don't they do a Doctor Who Great British Bake Off? I mean, Colin Baker. That would Sylph. be great. That would be amazing. I mean, I mean, you do you need it when you've got the cookbook, really? No, but, <laughs> I mean, it's di- I mean, it's, it's different okay, though. Okay, Bake isn't Off, it? but just recipes from the cookbook. Oh my god. That would be great. And get get them to make a really gourmet version of like the really horrible <laughs> 80s ones. And let's see if we can improve this a little bit. But yeah, I think I think Bake Off, Bake Off Tent. I wonder Would Channel how much... 4 allow that? Yeah, I mean Or is there too much bad blood between the BBC and Bake Off now? No, I don't think so. It doesn't matter. It's not the channel at the end of the day, is it? It's the production company True. that will commission it. Yeah. But I wonder how much cross-pollination there'll be between channels mm. with Doctor Who happening yeah. in the 60th anniversary. Because you kind of feel like, yeah, Channel 4 could have like a... Even if it's like a TV scariest moments yeah. thing, you know, it, yeah. it feels... And with Russell being involved, you know, they want to kind of big up like, hey, Russell's done some stuff for us recently as well. Yeah, and, true. You know, it might be more of a all-in-it-together sort of thing. Like, yeah. did the... Dalek movies get shown on TV during the 50th anniversary? Don't know. Seems yeah. like the kind of thing they might yeah. do, you know? Yeah. Something like that. I guess that's it, isn't it? You know, there's going to be this... Everyone is going to want a piece of that pie. So, why not? So dig in. Dig in. Dig know. in, folks. You've heard it here first. Doctor Who, Great British Bake Off. <laughs> Colin Baker. Happen. Carrot King. Yeah! <laughs> you know. That works. What would each doc... Okay, so what would Sylv, what would Sylv have? Something Scottish. Something, yeah, haggis. Haggis. <laughs> but you've got to butcher the, get the stomach yourself. Yeah. Go out into that field and there's a couple of cows in there. So let, let's, oh, sheep, let's think doctor. I mean, if we could get all the doctor, as many doctors on there. Yeah. Colin would do it. Silver would uh, do it, I'm sure. Bill wouldn't because he'd hurt his teeth and he'd have to go off and get Hartnell. his teeth seen. So I was going to yeah. say, well, Bill's dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, McGann uh, would probably do it. McGann would probably do it. I think you want Matt, David. I mean, they, they'd all do it. I I wouldn't. I I would. I wouldn't even have any doctors. I'd just have companions. Really? I oh no, you'd I'd have to have do doctors. Companions. You'd have to have the doctors. 
A Doctor Who special. All the James, doctors. James Corden. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, big names, though. Big names. Big names of the Bake Off. It's a charity one. They say it's Stand Up For Cancer. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd get Tennant and Smith and... Tennant, Smith. Capaldi. Capaldi. Eccleston. <laughs> okay, let's just do it with Doctors. It just makes more sense, doesn't it? It just makes more I sense. I mean, Matt Lucas was in Doctor Who and he's already hosting it. Exactly. So he's all right. And Noel Fielding looks Sh- like he no- should, should have be been in, in Doctor, Doctor Who at some point. Yeah. Um, that yeah. should happen. No fielding it. Where's yeah. it not been in Doctor That's Who? That's very strange. As like some sort of like, I don't know, weird Ethereal alien. sort of like space being that kind of comes in and goes, right, yeah. Some yeah, space crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Um, is there any more we can divulge in terms of things that have happened? I mean, the filming has gone quiet in the last week. Yeah. Um, so you'd assume they're doing studio stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's all obviously been quite, apart from obviously going back in time, um, modern day Earth centric. Yeah. So do we think if this is episode three they're shooting now, it might be like how it was structured back in the day, present day, future, past? Oh, maybe. Oh, and yes. So the third one is yeah. mainly set in the 1920s oh. with occasional flash forwards oh, yeah, and stuff. Oh, yeah, quite possibly. Because I feel like you need like an off world. Yeah. Because otherwise you're right. it's going to be very. Yeah. Earth-based. Oh, that, that, yeah, I like that. So maybe, I don't know, where, 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 if you were going to go somewhere recognisably Doctor Who, a planet from the show's past. Peladon. It could, oh, (laughs) yeah. I was going to say it could be as obscure as you want, but yeah, Peladon would work really well. Maybe we have a Peladon story for the 60th anniversary, episode two. That would be really cool. Agador comes back. Yeah, that would be great. David Tennant doing Haroon, Haroon, Haroon. I don't want anything else now. Yeah. So we'll have we'll have a modern day sort of uh, beat the meep invades the earth, you know, and that'll be the central episode yeah. one. Episode that n- two, brings everyone together. Return to Peladon. Yeah, I and guess that's it. Rose three. Rose finds beat the meep. I think that seems to be the inclu- yeah the idea it seems that she th- finds beat the meep. It's they, like like Sharon does in the comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like a crash ship, and yeah. she goes out and finds it in the field yeah. um, from the, the location filming. And then maybe it's like, well, you know, Donna, your head should have exploded because you've just seen me but you haven't exploded, so what's, what's going, going on? on? Come with me in the TARDIS and we'll go we'll off, go off and somewhere. out. Yeah. yeah, but in the mean, but you know, oh no, we're being dragged yeah. off to this planet, yeah. uh, oh, but we'll caught, get back to Earth. Yeah, we're caught in a tractor beam of a nice yeah. warrior's spaceship. Yeah. Oh, we're on Peladon. Yeah. It's Brexit on Peladon. It's, I don't know, any of the mad fucking shit that's been happening in British politics on Peladon. Um, all of it. All of it. I think, you know, there's the whole thing about, hey, Russell's going to be... He's got some. He's going to have some axes to grind. Yeah. More axes to grind than maybe he did back when the show, when he was when, running it, because yeah, yeah. there was a Labour government in charge, and yeah. so he's probably got quite a bit to say. Mm. I'm looking forward to the the shooty episode about strikes and unions and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Very very cool. <laughs> um, and 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 shooty's off filming. He's still he's doing, doing all sorts. Well, of stuff. he's filming Barbie. He's filming Barbie. Yeah. But he's just posted on Instagram that he's dyeing his hair black. Oh. So does that mean he's getting ready for his maybe close like up, a Mr. Li- Davies? Yeah. <laughs> I won't I wonder if he is in the sixtieth, if it will be like a quick hop in, hop out. I mean he'll be he'll be in situ by the end of the third episode. Yeah. You'd imagine. But maybe if they film anything with him before then, mm. could he be in popping up in yeah. each story. Oh, it's so weird, isn't it, that we don't know what is happening. There's no. three specials with David, th- potentially three specials with David Tennant. Yeah. And then when does Shooty come in? When does, does he, he start in, filming? Does he come, yeah, and like... What he, if they did something mental and went, right, so all this stuff we're doing with David and, and Catherine, it's all for 2023, 
but we've got a Christmas special with shooting. Shooting, yeah. And it's at the end of the Christmas special where things go a bit haywire. So you kind of have your twin dilemma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got a bit of David and let's do the nostalgia thing. Let's not seep shooty in sort of like continuity and all that. And let's just have him come into the role. New era, breath of fresh air. (sighs) Reset button, big fat reset button and just turn the universe off and put it on again and see Mm. what happens. I think they could do something like that. Yeah. How would you feel if at the end of the third episode they go... Maybe you can pretend that it's all still happening back in Universe A. But what if they go, let's go to Universe B and let's, let's do Doctor Who there and just start from scratch? Yeah, I don't know if I'd like that. No? No, I'm not sure. Do you not feel like with all of the Pandorica eating half the universe bollocks or, you know, like the half the universe being reset yeah. and uh, the, the flux and stuff, do you not feel like things have just got a bit too big and that you want to maybe scale things back a little bit it's doctor who though and you just have to remember that if you forget about it everything the status quo is back to normal no i know and and that's that's different for like an invasion of the of earth because we've all programmed to go like okay fine well we'll forget that the yetis invaded in the underground and the sidemen are here oh what a surprise but i mean even in the matt smith era stephen moffat was writing lines of dialogue like I've drawn too much attention to myself yeah, or I've yeah, got yeah. too big. Yeah. And you feel like maybe he was trying to do that actually because yeah. there's a lot of the Daleks forget who he is True. and there's the big oh, reset God, yeah, of the big so bang yeah. and all that bollocks. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that there is something there to work with and that Russell would pick that up. Mm. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. I definitely think that maybe like what you said... David Tennant and Catherine Tate are there to do the nostalgia thing and then Shooty can come in yeah. and it can all be fresh and new and, <clears throat> you know. Mm. But, yeah. It's, it's a brave new world. It's very it exciting. It is. It's really exciting because no one knows what the smeg's going on. Exactly. But, um, and, it, and it's, but then we're also seeing quite good location photos. Yeah. Which makes it more confusing because we have no context for what's going on. Yeah. And every time something happens on location, it throws another spanner in the woods. Yeah, You're yeah. like, oh my God, so now there's this as well? Yeah. This happening? Um, but I guess we'll just have to see how it all develops. Yeah. And we'll, we'll stick to it as closely as we can, obviously with a sort of two-week buffer yeah. between each episode. We're probably going to have to play quite a lot of catch-up. But it means we'll have a lot to talk about, I that's, suppose. Yeah, that's which good. Which is good. And that, yeah, that'd be fun. So let's sign off with, with this. Man. Oh, yeah. So these iron brew sweets that are kicking around in the office, which are meant to be sour as... A cat's arsehole. <laughs> I wouldn't know, Billy. I but... wouldn't. I've heard. Right. Is it really I mean, hard? These are, I'll, I'll, You're going to rip your teeth. The first thing I say is these things are designed to rip your fillings out. But... Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Only 10p. That's pretty good. Well, you, it needs to be 10p because you're going to be spending enough of money getting your fillings replaced. That's true. Nah. That's weak. It's not sour at all. That's not sour at all. What a letdown. Oh. See you in two weeks' time. Yeah. Well, Bye. Bye. <laughs>